The Short Code Podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code Podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcode.com. Welcome back to the Short Code Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. Here's some of what we've got to talk about on today's show. It's wild that the onus was on applicants Mm -hmm. as to like, oh, why didn't you match? Mm -hmm. Why are you applying here? And the onus is not like a program. Why are you participating in the soap? I really have enjoyed seeing all of these individuals being honest about not matching. If they sustain an injury, leaving them unable to perform tasks, what would that person's future medical career look like? I want to thank our friends at Panacea Financial, the sponsor of this episode, who want to tell you about their 2022 Match Week giveaway. So stay tuned for that a bit later in the show. It's very exciting. But in the meantime, I'm here in the SCP studio with some, ni- with some nice medical friends. That's what I call med students. Aww. Nice medical friends. Say hello. M3, Brandon Bacalzo. Hello. Over there is M1, Noah Wick. Howdy. Nathan Spitz is sitting next to me. What's shaking? He's an M3. And M2, Lola Lozano joins us from the internet. Hi. Where, do you, where are you, Lola? Why are you on the internet? I am on the internet today because I'm celebrating being done and passing step one. Yay. Um, so I'm out here. I mean, you make it sound like you make it sound like the reward for passing step one is to be uploaded to the cloud. <laughs> yeah. Beam me up, Scotty. When you're done with yeah. step one, you become you, you have to go live on Amazon Web Services cloud servers. Mm-hmm. It's part of the agreement. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when you're when you're done with step one, you run away from med school and hide yeah. in another state for a while. That seems um, best. Yeah, just like yeah, definitely cross a state line. I assume you passed step one since you're cheerful. I passed, which is great, and it was a surprise because they said you'll hear in about four to eight weeks, and then two weeks after the exam, I got an email saying my score was out, and so I just was not mentally prepared to mm-hmm. open that yet. But then my chat with my other cohort mates started going off saying that they'd passed. So I said, okay, I'm just going to sit here in this cafe. Oh, you and you assumed that it got to you so quickly because they took one look at it. And we're like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, How exactly. dare she? Are y'all, I was just having this conversation. Are y'all people who like have to open up results like immediately or can you sit on it? Nope. And wait. No, can't sit on it. I was, I was working like over zoom. I was doing like an appointment over zoom and I got like my acceptance to Carver like while as a bit, I was like, you know, like that's just phrase like we have an update about your application. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, I, I opened it while I was on a Zoom with my camera on, like try not to. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I'm not gonna be able to wait the 30 yeah. minutes to get this off. Brandon. Yeah. It's been a while since you've been on the show. Yeah, I think pre-COVID uh, was the last time I was on here. Yeah. Maybe. Anything new in your life lately? I, I for instance, I <laughs> I'm just spitballing here. Uh, <laughs> I'm just spitballing here. But have you legally and ethically acquired any new people? Yes, I'm legally obligated to a tiny human. Oh, that is to say, I'm a father. Nice. Mm-hmm. Two months and a half ish. I I don't count in weeks. Time is an illusion, especially now that I'm a parent and. You know, the synergy of COVID. I'm impressed that you remembered to show up today, mm-hmm. <laughs> given parenthood. You know, I'm on a form of paternity a paternity leave. The Carver College of Medicine allows us four weeks to complete a 
like a, a scholarly project reflecting on our experience as parents and as medicine providers. So I'm on paternity. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. I may cut this out of the show. Please. But if, but <laughs> if are, are, oh, you're taking that, you're taking that elective. Yes. Okay. Okay. You didn't have to take that. Elective. No. Okay. I was like, I was like, you could this, have four weeks off. If. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm on, I'm on a, I'm on a form of, of paternity leave. Yeah. Offered by the Carver college of medicine. So, Sleep is okay. Yeah. It's it's serviceable. So that's why I'm still kind of headed, you know, I'm I'm above ground. Yeah. This is the parenting elective that allowed Nick Lind to put, to put together the parenting episode last summer that listeners may have, or a series of episodes last summer that you should go listen to. If you're considering parenthood, it was very comprehensive and, and one of our most popular episodes. So Definitely it, recommend. Now that you have time to reflect, I don't know if you have like the mental like capacity, but how have the last two months been? It's been a whirlwind because I also studied in past step one <laughs> and I'm Good currently, job. you know, in the midst of passively studying for step two mm-hmm. and getting ready for my sub eye and all that sort of stuff. Mm. So it's been exhausting, but reflecting on it all, I think the nature of who I am and, and the nature of pregnancy is it's a nine month lead up to a baby finally arriving. So you kind of get a lot of time to mentally rehearse what life is going to look like. Mm-hmm. You only put, to be wrong. Well, I, yeah, I, for the most part, I mean, part, the broad strokes are there, you know, mm-hmm. you're not yeah. going to get a lot of sleep and mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be a certain amount of pooping and peeing. Pooping yep. and peeing mm-hmm. and, yeah. Yep. You put a hundred scenarios together in your head and if you're lucky, one is partially correct. And you know, Whenever I have someone ask me how parenthood is, I say it was as flawless as I could have, you know, mm-hmm. expected, which is mm-hmm. which is very wonderful. It feels very natural to uh, to add a tiny human to my daily routine. Good. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm glad things are things are going well for now. Have the dad and jokes intensified? He's uh, no. That's, I, they've already been. Already, already like it, let's add a one hundred. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean. I I was born ready from that. Aspect. <laughs> Brandon, did you do anything to prepare beforehand for fatherhood? I'm interested in like what that looks like, or if your wife did anything. <laughs> um, not really. We were given the option of you know taking birthing classes and all that, mm-hmm. but you know childbirth in and of itself was 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 for the most part a breeze. And Raven would agree with me. God bless epidurals. But I, in terms of formal training, I really didn't prepare. You know make any preparations just a lot of reflection on if my current character was the type of character that would be let me rephrase that you know what aspects of my personality would i have to revise in order to be an effective father Mm -hmm. that was kind of the most of the preparation that i i went for and mostly i swear like a sailor so Uh, still working on that hey Mm -hmm. you know what you know what here's the etler secret yeah just keep swearing like a sailor. They'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they'll be yeah. fine. You know what? I see. We, we, our general rule is: you bet. You got to learn to code switch. You got to learn to switch mm-hmm. when you use swears and when you don't. And uh, you know, for instance, if you swear at school and your teacher doesn't like it and you get in trouble, then we're going to back up the teacher. The fair warning, mm-hmm. because. That's life. Also, we adopted this position because we tried <laughs> and failed. <laughs> failed hard mm-hmm. to not. And uh, so now I have two kids that swear like sailors, a 13 and 17. <laughs> yep. But at home? At home. Oh, yeah. At home. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes it makes me feel uncomfortable, like I have made a wrong choice. Mm. I think that's funny. It, right? <laughs> but this is what happens when you're a parent. Yeah. Like, and, and, and I can tell you that, that it, it, you know, babies are easy. It gets more complicated mm-hmm. as they get older. Mm. Like, yeah, you don't have to wipe their asses as much when they're 17 years old. But there is, there's now more at, more at stake, more at play than when they were bad. You know, you just got to keep them alive when they're babies. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they hit 21 and you get a regression and then you have to wipe their ass again and or hold you, their hair. In the shower. You hold their yeah. hair. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I'm I'm glad it's I'm glad it's going well for you. Yeah, and he is awful cute. Awful cute. I've seen I've seen the pictures on on the Facebook, and uh, he looks a lot like you. And and uh, he's got a great big smile. He does. He's got a great big. I love how babies smile with their entire faces. It's so cool. There's a. We're not sure if there's a conspiracy in pediatrics that every staff member calls our baby cute, or if he mm. actually is cute. Oh yeah, we went through that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But subjectively, but I, I'm lucky to have a few friends that would be straight up with me, and the consensus <laughs> is tell you if you had an ugly baby. baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, are, and I was an ugly baby, so I was kind of prepared mm-hmm. that that my love for my child might not be enhanced by their aesthetics. <laughs> but but we lucked out. Excellent. I just want to say, on last week's show, we talked about whether or not we were whether or not we were still masking. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was experimenting with not masking in general, except for certain circumstances. So on the show, I didn't wear a mask, and Nathan was there, and nobody, when I offered them the opportunity to take off their masks, nobody took them off, and so I was the only one unmasked. And then I, you know, I over the weekend, I did, you know, read the news and did some more research and decided, oh, no, that's that's not the right call for me right now. So if you thought I was crazy last week for not masking, you're right. If you thought my masking was fine thank you but i was crazy what did you read that changed your mind uh the b2 europe trip? what's happening in europe right now i have a friend in 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 england mm-hmm. uh, who's a teacher and uh half of her class was down with covid and then there's a new outbreak in china this week and i'm like you know what it's not over i don't care what the <laughs> cdc s- says with us being low so anyway just wanted to address that i'm back on the mask <laughs> Strapped up. Yep. As we record this episode, it is match week. Last this past Monday, our uh, senior students found out if they matched, yes or no. Uh, if they did, they had to wait until today to find out where. And if they didn't, they had to go through the supplemental offer and acceptance program, or SOAP. SOAP involves several rounds of programs reviewing applicants and making offers, and the hope is that everybody obtains a match. Congratulations to everybody who matched, and for those who were, I don't know, unlucky this week. I'm so sorry that you have this additional stress in your lives. It's not ideal, but it's not over yet. I know quite a few folks who fell down this rabbit hole and have come out on top. So keep moving forward. That's my message to you. And I'll be thinking about you. I did notice, you know, I, I was trying to decide how much to talk about match this week without mm-hmm. having a lot of the information that the statistics and mm-hmm. things like that. And mm-hmm. I think I'm going to put it off till next week and we'll see how I feel next week about it talking sure. about it. But I did notice some interesting statistics with regard to rank order lists. So if you don't know, after you've interviewed, the applicants rank order the programs that they would want to go to mm-hmm. after they graduate. And the programs do the same for the applicants that they interviewed. There's a striking statistic. On average, the people who don't match ranked half as many programs as the people who matched. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of compounding variables there. For instance, you know, 
How are your interview skills? How are your grades? How are your, you know, all that kind of stuff. How many interviews did you get? How many interviews did you get? I mean, if you didn't get that many interviews, then you weren't able to rank as many programs. But that's super interesting to me because it suggests that folks are not ranking enough programs. Although as Brandon, Brandon and I were talking before the show and you said it's expensive to apply Mm -hmm. to many programs. What were the fees? It was like. Yeah, let me pull them up. So it's $100 for the first 10 applications. Mm. And then the AAMC, you know, their policy is intentionally to reduce the number of applications by each individual. So the first 10 will cost you $100 total. Then after that, it's $17 each for the next batch of 10. So you're, if you're applying to 20 programs, you pay $117. Yep. And then for applications 21 through 30 you will be paying 21 dollars each mm. and this is capped once you pass 31 or more applications in which each application will net you 26 dollars yeah. per application which also like it, it's compounded in people who are trying to like couples match mm-hmm. like that's ridiculous sometimes and for people who don't know couples matching is when two people who are both applying at the same time they love each other very much yeah, right. <laughs> or you can also you can also couples match with your enemy or your best friend, friend or yeah. whoever you want to <laughs> and you both like rank, you do like separate kind of rank lists to and try and like link them up together and i've seen like people have up to like 300 different like matchings between two people and like wow. that is just an exorbitant yeah amount of money just for people trying to live together but mm-hmm wild anyway i <laughs> i yeah maybe we'll maybe we'll go over the stats next week if i mm-hmm. try to do it today I, we it wouldn't be very thorough because we would have just gotten them in fact oh i don't know just about uh, an hour ago the an hour and 15 minutes ago the the results were official and mm. and so uh, yeah speaking of but like to continue kind of on like rank at least like the rank order list i feel like i've seen like questionable advice or what i feel like is questionable advice on the internet where people say like oh I'm wait not- whoa 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 yeah i know right mm-hmm. uh, we paw uh, uh hold the door about people <laughs> you know suggesting not to rank a program because of x y and z mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. oh i had like a bad interview with like one person yeah I'm like not a going- name and shame i'm not mm-hmm. going to rank this program and i don't know i feel like you, I guess each individual has their own circumstances and things that they have to mm-hmm. weigh, but to potentially not be able to like practice next year mm-hmm. to like increase like the difficulty of matching again next year because you didn't rank a program and did not match. I think that's like a yeah a hard thing to weigh. Well, you, I mean, the, the advice that you get is don't rank a program that you absolutely don't want to go to. Mm-hmm. Don't use it as a safety because... If you really don't want to go there, if there's a strong reason for you to not want to go there, you're not going to be happy there and you're going to be there for a long time. But I guess how do you pair that against the unhappiness of not matching and right. making it like even right. more difficult the second and, time? And maybe and, and maybe that's old advice at this point. I mean, given you know, given the 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 numbers and maybe that's Maybe that advice doesn't work so well anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I think the posts and stuff that you were talking about are talking about more in terms of like a, almost like a protest on ranking, yes. right? Like, like oh, I had a bad experience with this place. Like, I'm just going to not rank it to like show them, like really stick it to them, mm-hmm. you know? Guess what? Guess who's going to get stuck? Yeah. Well, the, the length of rank order list problem also exists for programs as well so there are some programs that don't rank enough people and so they their positions don't get filled yeah 
you know, which I guess is okay because then there's a lot of then then people can fight over them in soap, but mm-hmm. there's just there's still not enough positions. Emergency medicine yeah, this year. What you I was going to say. Yeah, no, the, the, there was like 300 and something odd positions unfilled in emergency medicine like oh. this year on the initial, at least on the initial, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. That's likely due. I mean, they had like quite a bit less applicants this year, but granted, they had like what, 4,000 something? I don't know how many spots were available. A lot. But I mean, <laughs> you know, emergency medicine, I understand historically has not needed to soap. Mm-hmm. So for many of these programs, they're engaging in it for the first time, right? Possibly ever, which is. It's really interesting to see that, you know, transpire. Right. Listeners, if you ask us a question, it means that I don't have to make something up to talk about on the show. And the show becomes what you want it to be. So send your questions to the shortcoats at gmail.com or leave a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. I was going to say it's wild that the onus too is on applicants Mm -hmm. as to like, oh, why didn't you match? Mm -hmm. Why are you applying here? And the onus is not like program. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you participating in the soap? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a standoff where they're just like pointing at each other. What's your red flag? No, it's your red flag. (laughs) I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting, though, because I, I looking at and this was just from numbers that came out on like Monday, um, like EM still had like as many applicants as they had in this is 2022. So back in 2020, I think they had more than they had in 2020. But because they had an astronomically large amount of applicants in 2021, like something happened, I guess, with the numbers or I don't know if it's like uh, students changing where they're applying because they saw like 4,100 applicants were there last year and like, oh, I'm not going to do it, you know. I, I know. Like, the, 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 the historical stats are of limited value, especially yeah. I think right now when the whole world is topsy-turvy. Yeah. Right, right. Come on, Dave. These are precedented times. Yeah. yeah. We are, they're very quickly becoming. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad for everybody that the, or the, I'm glad for the majority of people mm. for whom the, the wait is over today. I know there was uh, quite a lot of near fainting episodes, I'm sure, <laughs> across the country. But, you know, good luck. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't match, we still are proud of you. Yeah, we still love you. I think I saw a really good perspective this week in it. It was somebody, not I don't know them very well, but the perspective was that, like, it's it's not that I didn't match, but that my application mm. did not match. Not mm-hmm. like a failure on my part right but i was like that's i like that i like to hear that i mean medical education is exceedingly good at making us feel like we are you know that uh, we tie our self-value to our performance and our mm-hmm. career right mm-hmm. yeah but i really have enjoyed seeing on med twitter all of these individuals being honest about not matching and needing to soap but that's important mm-hmm. it is important and i don't think it happens i don't think it happens enough Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it's great to know that they're not alone, that they're, you know, mm-hmm. that there are people out there who are, who are wonderful and yet who still, you know, it didn't work out yeah. for them. Mm-hmm. And they are completely competent and qualified and passed both USMLEs and all of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, still by some failure of our system did not mm-hmm. get matched yes. to mm-hmm. the career of their choice. Mm-hmm. Brandon. Yeah. How do you feel about money? Love money. Do you give me, give me all of the money? What, what would you do with money? I would hoard it. 
You would hoard it? I would hoard it like Jeff Bezos. Would you uh, mm. Would you hoard it in a bank like our sponsor this week, Panacea Financial? You know, if the return in the bank was sufficient, then yeah. What if you hoarded it in crypto? <laughs> you know, I, was, I always thought about buying myself a monkey NFT. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're pretty yeah. dapper. Well, I don't think Panacea Financial offers crypto or NFT. I don't know. But yeah. uh, if that's something that's interesting, interesting to you, you could reach out um, to Panacea Financial and ask. They're a bank founded by two MedPeds physicians. Panacea Financial isn't just seeking out doctors as a market. They're dedicated to helping doctors and trainees like you all. Panacea offers loans, checking accounts, and concierge banking to medical students. Right now, they're also running a giveaway to students matching in 2022. Five students will be chosen to receive $500 awards. Entry is free. Check out their giveaway today at panaceafinancial.com slash match 2022. Panacea Financial is a member of Premise, member FDIC. Nice. Someone who didn't leave their name called the Short Coat Listener line with a question. And I guess we'll call her Bluebell. 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 Isn't that nice? Yeah. Hmm. Ordinarily, I would make Yeah, That's a good ice cream brand. Yeah, okay. Not a sponsor. At least in Blue, Texas. Blue Bell, not yeah. Blue Bunny. Blue Bell. Bunny. I'm familiar yeah, with Blue we're, Other we're, ice creams are available, but Blue Bell. <laughs> what about Blue Bunny? Iowans would like to fight? Yeah, the, let's get the blues together. Okay. Let's hear from, let's hear from Blue Bell. Hey, guys. I'm currently a medical student and recently had the unfortunate pleasure of injuring my hand which has required me to wear a splint for six to eight weeks. I'm in my preclinical years, so the only thing this is affecting really is my typing speed. I should heal up pretty fast. But it did get me thinking more about what happens to someone in med school or maybe even residency if they sustain an injury, leaving them unable to perform tasks the same way as before while they heal, especially if they're working on clinical rotations or something like surgery. And then, what if it's an injury leaving someone with permanent lifelong deficits, like the loss of a limb or permanent nerve damage? What would that person's future look like in terms of their medical career? If you guys have any personal insights or opinions to offer, I'd love to hear it. Or maybe what measures an institution might have in place to address situations like this. As always, thanks for everything you all do and giving me a great show to listen to. Thank you for calling, Bluebell. That's a good question. Injuries are a fact of life, unfortunately. And, and, and I guess we could include in the discussion both illnesses and injuries. And, mm-hmm. and while we're at it, we can include mental health issues and all kinds of things that might complicate your, your journey. Anyone here know someone or have been injured in medical school? Yeah, so I know of, I won't share their name. I mean, I'm sure. No, no, no. Don't sh- yeah, don't share their names. That's yeah. Terrific. They've gone on radio shows to talk about their injury before, but someone in my program during their time, I think they were already in the graduate school phase, was riding their bike to school and was hit by a bus oh. and so sustained severe nerve damage and so has been wheelchair bound, but now is able to walk independently but sometimes needs assistance or you know it just depends on on the situation but their perspective and resilience has been you know such a gift to our program to just witness such an amazing person i'm sure you know who i'm talking about dave and probably some of you know but i i haven't picked his brain about you know what that will look like for his future in terms of the career that he chooses to pursue with the combined program you know he has the option of sticking to doing research only 
but now now it's making me think of what he's thought about that. So I'd be interested in learning more from him. Yeah, there have been quite a few people who've been on the show over the years who had either permanent or temporary conditions, for instance, recovering from major surgeries or mm-hmm. accidents, uh, slip and fall accidents, depression, anxiety, ADHD, all kinds of uh, temporary and permanent, we'll say, complications. I'll say that the vast majority of them have achieved their goal of graduating mm-hmm. from, from medical school. The timetable was definitely altered in some cases. Let's say you have a concussion, right? That can affect your cognition. It can affect your memory. It can affect all kinds of things. And while mm-hmm. you heal, medics, medical school continues. Unlike undergrad, you know, it's harder to it's harder to drop a course because basically that course is only offered once a year, and you basically have to wait till that course comes around again if you can't mm-hmm. if you can't finish it. So it can definitely alter your timetable if you if your injury is such that you need to take a break. As far as residency goes, I can't say I personally know anybody who's been injured and had to you know pause their residency, but. From what I've heard is that it can be similar to people who experience pregnancy or going through pregnancy and that what Brandon was talking about earlier and that people can't they can offer often offer electives in place of other electives. You know, for example, for this person who injured their hand, if you're on a surgery rotation and Mm -hmm. did expect a full recovery back to that, maybe you can do a research block or a research block or two and kind of take the place of more like procedural specialties or procedural rotations in place of that. As far as more like permanently impairing injuries, Mm. I do not have any like knowledge or experience with that. I do. I have one data point. We did have somebody come here whose uh, name escapes me for the moment, but he was a, he was a, I believe a surgery resident Mm -hmm. And he was in in an accident that, you know, made him wheelchair bound and he became a family medicine physician after that. Mm -hmm. But among the adaptations he was able to make was a wheelchair that, you know, allowed him to stand. So basically Mm -hmm. it was a transforming wheelchair that basically allowed him to, you know, propped him up and allowed him to stand up. And so... You know, he came here to talk about his injury and his and his and his journey and how, you know, and sort of be an inspiration. I mean, um, it must have been very difficult to, you know, kind of make those adjustments as it as mm-hmm. you would mm-hmm. as you would expect. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, it's especially when especially when it changes the trajectory that you saw yourself going right. through, you know. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's one of the things is like disability can happen to anyone at any time. This you is know? the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And like. It's like it's the one it's the one status that you can have temporarily can just be forced upon you. And Mm -hmm. I think there is a lot of ableism sort of like in the process, certainly needing to getting into medical school, too. You know, I think as I was applying, I remember like every like website has that little like thing like, oh, you have to be able to like physically do these certain things, you know, they call them technical standards, technical standards, you know, as like and it's it's basically like a, a way to sort of codify you know, an ableism of some sort, you know, and yeah. I, I think to a certain sect, right, you as a physician need to be able to do certain things, but I think oftentimes that serves as a barrier. I, I do think it's more... Well, there are um, certain things, I mean, let's address that. There, yeah. there, there are certain things that you that you do have to be able to do right. as a physician. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you do have to be able to have the functional ability to observe. So some of this is from our technical standards. I mean, you can go and look at them if you want on our website but this technical standards include you have to have the functional ability to observe acquire and evaluate relevant information Mm -hmm. um 
And if a candidate is not able to observe or acquire information through the census, candidate must demonstrate abilities to acquire the necessary information through satisfactory alternate means. I'd say that's pretty open language. Yeah. And and, and mm-hmm. this is one of the things that this person who came to talk to us talked a little bit about, that schools and residencies should just automatically be like, fine, show me. Right. Show me what you can do. Right. Assumed competence, he called it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think... I, I think the point I think I was trying to make there too is I think it's interesting how I think in a lot of cases, right, if someone further along in training, you know, has some sort of disability happen to them, you know, it's, I think there is more willingness to engage with that than perhaps at earlier stages, like in medical school or even pre prior to medical school. If, you know, you have some sort of accident or some sort of condition that leaves you disabled, you know, there is perhaps less. Well, willingness, it, right? To because you right less willingness to I don't, accommodate or oh. you know investigate or like give someone like assumed competence in that situation, you know. But okay, like you're saying, like if choosing between applicant A and B, for example, if right. applicant A had a disability that required a bunch of accommodations, that it would be more work potentially for right. this institution to. Well, I mean, uh, right. this is this is kind of a problem because the Americans with Disabilities Act doesn't allow for that. Right. But, then, I, but suspect, we have, right. I suspect that that there are schools out there who still do that. Right. You know, sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right. right. And, I, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that's like yeah. the what technical standards sort of yeah. allow for that in some case, you know. Shortcoats, if you're enjoying our conversation today, I'd be grateful if you'd let people know by posting a story on Instagram or Facebook or tweeting about us. And don't forget to tag us in your post. Thank you. If you're a resident, I assume that there's a whole other layer because now you're also an employee. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's kind of yeah. an issue. Right. Or it's sort of a different a different sort of issue that would need to be navigated. That said, you know, it's important to know your rights. Yeah, um, 100%. Because right. there are, according to... A AAMC report in 2018, which at the time was the first of its kind, the authors cited three reasons for making this report. Inconsistent policies and procedures related to disability, mm-hmm. including those around disclosing and accommodations, mm-hmm. were common in the, at the, in the schools that they looked at. Inconsistent support. In many cases, colleges have few people with disabilities enrolled and low demand for services. Mm-hmm. So whoever's in charge of disability services probably has other duties and isn't able to be the expert. And so they, it's sort of an other, other duties as assigned. So students have to spend an, a lot of time self-advocating and arranging for their own accommodations, which mm-hmm. disadvantages them compared to their peers right and then there was a lack of an awareness of the school's obligations under laws like the americans with disabilities act some schools even deny all requests for accommodations in clinical settings under the belief that the patient that patient safety would be compromised but the ada requires an individual assessment of safety risks not Mm -hmm. one based on generalizations or stereotypes Mm -hmm. and this is where knowing your rights comes into play right Uh, because if you're in the unfortunate position of you know, being at one of these schools that's like, you know, well, we don't want to compromise patient safety. We're not right. going to let you even show us that you can function. You're going to have to fight for it. And that's a hard thing to screen for if you're an applicant, right? Like, you know, obviously there are certain individuals that come into medicine with a with a disability. But, you know, like we were talking about, disability can happen to anyone. That might just become a, a standard um, question that I ask on the interview trail. Is, I was going to say that. Mm-hmm. It might be very valuable for both parties, right? And, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it, you know, ask the question, and if you don't get a great answer, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe the interviewer isn't the right person to right. ask. Depends on who's interviewing you. Mm-hmm. I would expect a program director mm-hmm. would need to know something about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or at least have the attitude of, I don't know, but I will get you the answer. Yeah. And then actually get you the answer. Yeah. And then the answer needs it's to good. be sort of comprehensive. <laughs> and But still, um, that's a sign of a, of a good residency. Yeah, yeah. Or a good yeah. medical school. Um, and it could, it could be a proxy of just in general their attitude to other things. For example, like paternity leave mm-hmm. and like how you treat people with disabilities could be a proxy of how you treat people who have, you know, other needs. and Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are the sorts of questions that I always think would be good to ask even if you don't foresee them as part of your Mm -hmm. part of your needs it could give you an indication of you know how places feel about their their employees Mm -hmm. absolutely totally random but even if i was just listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago there was a blind she became legally blind or like you know, severely vision impaired in her, I think she wasn't attend. no, in her residency, she switched to psychiatry, I believe, and mm-hmm. she's a, a sexual health, like, psychiatrist, mm-hmm. and she only works exclusively through telehealth, mm-hmm. um, and so she's able to, you know, talk with her patients via telehealth, she's able to, like, talk to text, she has, like, reading programs on the right. computer, and... Mm-hmm. And from the financial side of things, I mean, number one, we're very fortunate that medicine's a very broad field and that, mm-hmm. you know, individuals who are willing to make the switch from, say, surgery to family medicine, they can do that. But mm-hmm. there are also financial opportunities for us as medical students, residents and attending physicians to pay, you know, a certain amount per month for disability insurance, you know, mm-hmm. whereby a certain amount of our income is is would be paid out in the event of a, a disability many residency pro- or i think some residency programs will include some disability insurance i don't know that certainly couldn't tell you the details of how common that is or mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. whether it's in any sort of comprehensive yeah policy mm-hmm. but it's something to think about you know as, as somebody who who became temporarily disabled in his 20s i know that this mm-hmm. sort of thing can happen and it right. can you know I think it's probably a good idea to have disability insurance mm-hmm. when the when the financial implications of being disabled are so great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're a wannabe neurosurgeon who just can't get skydiving out of their out of their blood. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, you know, or even if you just ride a scooter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or a anything, bicycle, anything. If you or leave drive the, a car. If you, if you leave the house, yeah. yes, you could fall down the stairs. Yeah. Bluebell, thanks for your question. Heal up quick. Yeah, yeah good yeah. luck. Good luck with your typing. Oh my god, typing is the most important skill that I've that I acquired prior to adulthood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but now there are dictation softwares and things like that that are pretty accurate. They are. Mm-hmm. They are. I mean, you know, good luck taking notes with them, I guess, oh, during true. class. Yeah, writing out the Krebs cycle would be absolutely... Hold it up to them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did just read a patient note by somebody who's using the Dragon or Talk to Tech software. And a patient was admitted uh, through like a psychiatric hole through the courts in the Talk to Tech that said the doctor had assaulted the patient. And that was <laughs> the reason why they were... Uh, in the hospital. So make sure you, if you use talk to text, make sure you reread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, it seems like, and also don't assault your patients. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I mean, I think we can assume hopefully that that wasn't true. Yeah. 
Um, well, you guys, that's our show. That's all I have to talk to you about. Is there anything else you want to talk about today? What's been going on in healthcare? I mean, there's was there like a union resident union thing this week? It's a little spicy. Well, tell us the story. Oh, I think what was it? There is saw posted somewhere that there's like some efforts like nationwide to like build up a residence union, resident physicians union to sort of make sure that like programs are consistently protecting like as a floor, like right adhering to 80 hour work weeks, which, you know, it's funny because like that's something that should be. It's the law. It's the law. It's the, law. <laughs> the law. The law. You might it is say. the law. But um, I mean, you know, that's topical to our discussion on the match today right. is that some, you know, I've heard of at least one neurosurgery program anecdotally that says, yeah, we know that the 80-hour work week is technically law, but let's be honest, you need us more than we need you. Mm. That's what this program had said to their right. to their, you know, first-year residents. And I think that that's that that cool, cool, really cool, cool, does cool, highlight. Cool. Yeah. Cool and normal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool cool and normal this idea that, you know, we're further being leveraged after we match too. But there what? Did somebody Somebody didn't say that officially, did they? In anecdotally, public? anecdotally. So off I, the record, I wonder what would happen if you then took that residency to court and said, "This is a breach of not only the law but the well, working then, conditions that I'm supposed to." Yeah, let me out of this match. But then yeah. they are out. Uh, let me out of this match. Sure, but then where are they going to match? Yeah. Right, they're going to match some, again next time. Some neurosurgeon programs are going to see that person's name on the news or something like that or words going to get around oh and, they would totally be blacklisted yeah. and they would be you know again not formally but number one they would be out of a spot for a year and they would have to resume their loan payments and all of that mm. um and then you know there would be some I, I would imagine that a program that would put their residents over the coals would also Make sure word spreads around that this is a litigi- litigious, litigious, litigious resident. But I, I think that this story is more. I bring it up more to highlight, you know, that the, that the a, a residency, mm-hmm. a residency union, has some utility on its face. Yeah. It's yes. been tried. It's actually they took it to court. I don't know the exact name. I can try and like look it up, but it's actually like illegal for <laughs> residents to form a union. It's very odd. It it was illegal and then it was legal and it sounds like in a there was a great a great Reddit post, a great Reddit post about this like I don't know in this past week about uh like the legality of like residents forming a union, etc. Yeah, cuz I think they're like also, like advocating for like more paid time off, et cetera. You know, general general union things you might say. And residents do make a lot of money for the hospitals and programs that they work for. They do. I found something online suggesting, you know, very detailed analysis suggesting that each resident makes about two hundred thousand dollars for their programs just because they act, in a sense, as like you know, APPs, NPs, things like this. Mm-hmm. They're getting paid, you know, much less than an average attending physician, but they're performing an attending physician's work, right? So they're ge- generating mm-hmm. revenue capital for their programs and in turn are receiving, you know, $60,000 and some nice benefits and maybe a 401k and maybe, I don't know, one, two weeks off a year <laughs> if they can find a backup and ask yeah. four weeks in advance and, 
get a backup to the backup to the backup. Well, it's really it's really on them for wanting to take the time off. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah medicine medicine is a calling, and you know you've got to yeah. eat. It's a priesthood, really. Yeah, yeah. The um, sacrifices. It's weaponized. It is like made to be. You know, it, you are encouraged for it to be your calling and your passion and your one purpose in mm-hmm. life as you're applying, and then it's weaponized against you as you become an employee. Right, like this is a job. Mm-hmm. This is a career, but that passion or calling they exploit that lola noah when we talk about stuff like this does this freak you out in, as 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 youngins no i i don't think so this is something that i have been um thinking about lately because i i mean i'm have all this free time right now and so i'm i've been thinking about okay well what what do i want to do with this time off that i have and i think people think i'm crazy when i say oh like i'm not studying for step one like i was before but i'm still like studying lightly just because i feel like that calling or i don't know if it's become like that pressure of like Mm -hmm. i still want to spend my time becoming the best you know physician scientist that i absolutely can be but then i think that we fall into this like conundrum of we still have to take care of ourselves and be human beings Mm -hmm. but how can you not put in all of your time when your job is to make sure other people stay alive and mm. well. And so, so that pushes you to lengths that you might not otherwise go, say, if you were an administrative services coordinator. There's no pressure on me to, you know, work 80 hours a week and, and you know, and sacrifice my personal life. Yeah. Um, and, and that's super fair. You know, I think there are two different philosophies to work you can take. You can either work to live or live to work or some permutation in between. Mm. I think medicine historically has been a live to work field you know this idea that you have to dedicate your life to your work but you know for other people it is just a job and and for some people it kind of becomes necessary for it to be just a job right like Mm -hmm. i mean i would be hard-pressed to find a psychiatrist that can work 24 hours a day seven days a week and not find that they're clinical practice and and their emotional capacities would burn out right Mm -hmm. and so i think there's a nice place in the middle that medicine historically has not caught up to and i think we're just starting to see hopefully some people within medicine beginning to promote this idea that in order to be a good doctor you need to be a good person first yeah and that that is more than the medical knowledge you see in the textbooks and in the clinics and on the wards i'm personally like optimistic about it i think a lot of my peers i mean here at carvery especially like i think there is a little bit or not a little bit there is a pretty big i think attitude shift among younger physicians about like what work life balance should look like, what it means to be a good physician. And that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, being in the hospital 24 seven and, you know, and sort of understanding that the desire to want that to change isn't bad. Right. I think like that is going to require some systems restructuring, right? Like if we can't, if we're like restricting hours on physician or resident workloads, like that's going to require some system restructuring to accommodate for that. And I don't think because it's hard to do it that we shouldn't do that. You know, I think that's, um, you know, and just because we've been doing this for the past however many years and it's been fine. It's the way we've always done things in there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Doesn't mean that we should continue to seek material change, you yeah. know, and benefits. So, yeah. but for sure. Good luck with that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, I believe in you. I believe in you. Yes. That's our show. Lola, Brandon, Nathan, Noah, thank you for being on the show with me today. 
Thanks, Dave. It's a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And what kind of fragrant man swine would I be if I didn't thank you, Shortcoats, for making us a part of your week? If you're new here and you like what you heard today, follow the show wherever fine podcasts are available, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you know, YouTube even. Our editors are Maddie Walleen and Nick Lind. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine, student government, and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities program. Uh, our music is by Dr. Vox and Catmosphere. I'm Dave Etler saying don't let the bastards get you down. Talk to you in one week. Hi, short coats. Look, life in medical education, life in America, life in the world is often difficult. And I often wish I could help. All I have is this podcast, but in my wildest dreams, you have the support you need to lead a life of your choosing. You deserve to be happy, healthy, and successful in whatever ways you define those words. So if you need support because you've experienced racism, discrimination, harassment, mental health crises, I want you to be able to get the help that you need. And so I'm going to put some links in the show notes to some resources that you can use But the bottom line is that, for what it's worth, I see you, I know you're out there, I wish I could do more. Maybe I can, in ways that I don't understand yet or know about, but I see you, and I'm glad you're here, and other people are too. 